Anecdotal Basics of Christianity, Episode 19, Light Switches. What are we going to do about all those demons? Many Christians choose to ignore the enemy in the hope that he will go away, and to an extent that works. If you give the enemy too much attention, then he often gets big ideas about himself, throws a party, and it's likely to be at your place but we can't afford to completely ignore enemy activity. After all, in the Great Commission, Jesus tells us to cast out demons. And in the Lord's Prayer, we pray, Deliver us from evil. And the us, in question, are Christians, people who come to God as our Father. Being a Christian doesn't make us immune to evil. A problem here is that in some denominations, and for very good reasons, mostly around safeguarding, deliverance ministry has become a specialism. Yet Jesus commissions us to cast out demons. So who do we obey? I've decided to go for obedience to the Great Commission in this, and the good news is that God provides us with a toolkit that allows us to be obedient to his commission whilst staying under the earthly authority of the church. Thank you, Lord. Here, at least in part, is the toolkit. 1. Deliver us from evil. I've already mentioned this petition from the Lord's Prayer. We can always pray for ourselves and for other people, in line with the Lord's Prayer, that God will deliver us from evil. 2. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. Also from the Lord's Prayer. The enemy will not stay around where God's kingdom is established. At such times he will pack his own bags and depart. That's why you sometimes hear him scream in worship meetings. He may not want to leave, but he knows his time is up. 3. The Blood of Jesus We can plead the blood of Jesus before powers and principalities and in this context it is a legal plea. Before law courts in this world we can plead either guilty or not guilty, but before spiritual courts we can plead the blood of Jesus. Jesus removes our sin and guilt when we repent, but although we may now be free from guilt, it is still the case that we may have been guilty. On earth, we may have to pay the price for the consequences of that sin. Before powers and principalities, we declare that we have been washed clean by the blood of the Lamb and the enemy cannot touch us. I recommend Kelly Copeland Cutts' book Protecting Your Family in Dangerous Times on this subject. We take hold of this wonderful truth most powerfully through the Sacrament of Communion. 4. Put the light on. That's how darkness goes. Let me unpack that last point. In Genesis chapter 1, God speaks over the darkness and declares, let there be light. And there was light. We can always add our declaration to the Lord's. Our let there be light may literally be a declaration, but it could also be worship, the reading of scripture, the word of our testimony, All of these flick the light switch. God didn't see the darkness at the beginning of time, 
Genesis 1-2, and cast it out. Rather, he declared light. We don't enter a darkened room and try and push the darkness out of the window. We simply switch on the light. I believe that to be how we can carry out Jesus' instruction for the Great Commission and at the same time remain under the authority of the church. I recognise that this only applies to certain churches. It isn't a path of compromise, but a path of integrity. Putting on the light and keeping it on keeps the enemy at bay. Whilst we're living on the earth, we can't completely escape the enemy. Scripture tells us that we live our lives in the presence of the enemy. That's Psalm 23 verse 5. However, we're not called to cohabit with him. A Christian speaker we heard recently, who has a sensitivity to the spiritual realm that is way beyond my experience, spoke of going to an engagement and finding the entrance blocked by a large and menacing demon. She looked at Jesus, who was by her side, or perhaps it's more accurate to say that she was by his side, and then looked at the demon and said, I'm with him, and walked in. She didn't tell us what happened to the demon. I don't think she was interested. I don't think she gave it any more attention. She was ministering not only for the Lord, but with the Lord, and she understood and acted upon the authority that she had in him, and so did the demon. A while ago, I had one of those revelatory moments that a second later makes you feel a bit stupid that you hadn't realised it before. It was this. There is nowhere where there is a total absence of both light and darkness. There is always one or the other or more often a bit of both. I realised it when driving away from church through a pleasant area that I caught myself thinking of as in some way spiritually neutral. Wrong. As Christians, we're prone to being a bit slow to recognise this, as we carry the light, the presence of Jesus with us, wherever we go. But if any place is not a fully redeemed kingdom of God place, then it's a place where there is at least a degree of darkness and is therefore under the authority of the prince of this world. That's why I talked about all these demons. We're used to the idea that we're never more than two metres away from a rat. Apologies if that was news to you. But I think it's probably also true that we're never far away from a spiritual rat either. What do we do about all those demons? On our own territory, put the light on and keep the light on. Where we're visiting, put as many lights on as we can while we have the opportunity. Live our lives not only for Jesus, but with Jesus and in Jesus, covered by his blood and obedient to him. I think that is essentially the part that we have to play in the battle. Jesus does the rest. Phew!